With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketers Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and once again I'm joined by Lawrence Connolly. Lawrence, welcome back to State of Mind Studios. How are you? I'm well. It's great to be here. Well, it's always a pleasure. Obviously, you joined me for the game uh, over the weekend and you're back in for your 
your normal uh, Tory duty on a Tuesday. Plenty to talk about. We've got the European game coming up on Thursday, obviously. Uh, there's talk around Chris Iyer and AC Milan. Maldini says that um, he is certainly a target for AC Milan. Fraser Foster, the grass is not always greener. And uh, Scott McKenna, have we dodged a bullet? So there's plenty to talk about. And uh, everybody who's tuning in on YouTube, Facebook and Twitter is welcome to get involved. And that's what it's all about. It's all about um, engagement. Now, interestingly enough, some people are telling us uh, to continue with regards to the, the chat about Tommy Rogic and Chris uh, Lee Griffiths to stop talking about them. Um, I got an, an interesting comment the other night. Stop banging on about them. You're living in the past. Well, these guys are first team players, current first team players, and both are in the squad for Thursday night. What do you make of that, Lawrence? It's great eh, to see them back. Uh, you know, that they're undoubtedly talented football players that know how to win things, know how to play in big games, score goals, both game changers. You know, when you're struggling, those are guys that can really change a game, whether it's coming off the bench or just a bit of magic from them. So, it's good to see guys getting back to fitness. You know, the more fit players we've got, the better. Now, you, you use the term there, game changers, and I think when you're um, up against, for example, earlier this season, the only game in which we've dropped points against Kilmarnock, you're looking for a game changer, weren't you? And we're crying out. Now, I understand that Players who aren't playing all of a sudden uh, become the greatest players in the world because you, you know people think, oh, had he been introduced or had been he been playing, things would have been different. But I do honestly believe that at twenty seven and thirty, these two guys can still make a difference. On YouTube, I've been told to stop speaking about them. They're in the squad on Thursday, so I'm going to speak about them. Um, that's not to say I know that Rogic was on the bench at the weekend. Do you think Griffiths is anywhere near the bench for Thursday night? Griff's got it harder, isn't he? You know, the three guys in front of him are doing are doing the business. I think if he's in the squad, he's got to be near getting on the bench, hasn't he? he? We've got to get him some minutes in his legs at some point. Eddie's a, a bit tired, and yet he's getting up to fitness. Mm. So are we, are we maybe going to rest Eddie again? You know, if he's tired, give him a wee rest, and you've got a Jetty, Clamala, and Griffiths are three forwards. It's not, not a bad option to have those three. Well, I, I was looking at the the possible lineup for Thursday night, and um, looking also at Kevin Graham's lineup for the for the match. And Kevin would have gone with um, you know four defenders. I'm hoping that Julian's back fit, and we can go with Ayer and Duffy uh, as a three centre half yep. um, match up. Barkas and goals, and I would also look at playing two up front. But I don't think Lenny will be playing two up front. And obviously the, the two I would pick would be Eduard and Ayeti. I'd love to see that partnership develop in Lawrence. I think what we have there is a potential to have a dynamic partnership up front. They'll, they'll complement each other. You've got the holding up play of Eduard. It looks as though Ayeti is one of these guys that if nothing's happening, he'll work 20 yards back to well, get the ball. Definitely. I, I, think, I think he might go with Christy, and I, again, I think you're right. I think we're going to give Edward a rest again. You know, if he's if he's tired, we've got a lot of games coming up, and we want Eddie at, at his peak. We? For, I just look at the games. I look at this this game as at the moment it's it's so important. We can't take anything for granted. I know 
that uh, the Latvian league might not be up to much and uh, some would say the Scottish league's not up to much but I think in terms of standards we're, we're higher than the Latvian league we've got to gauge it on that uh, Riga they'll, they'll offer their own challenges it's away from home the game's going to be broadcast live on Premier it's another kind of one-off PPV event which we will have in the studio so that we can we can discuss the game I don't think I think it's more of a risk I actually think at home against Livingston you can rest Eduard and apparently yeah. he asked to be rested and it's a game at home against Livingston you can rest your best player away from home it's a must win tie it's a one off I reckon he's got to start it's, it's definitely a uh, must win but it depends how Eddie's feeling I suppose if he's feeling that bad he had to ask to get rested is he going to be feeling 100% for it the good thing is we now have options we've got a Ajeti and Klamala scoring goals and playing well so it's, it's not like I suppose the, the earlier games you're going if we didn't have, have Edward well, we hadn't signed a yet a year, you know what's Klamala like we didn't know much about him Griff wasn't fit at least we've got options now haven't we you know we're getting to a better place we do have options and it's uh, a dilemma that the manager likes I'm sure uh, Tommy Rogic obviously um was on the bench at the weekend, which uh, kept a lot of people happy. Hopefully, we'll see that again. How so? How do you see the the, the team lining up then? I'll go three at the back. Mm-hmm. You know, Barker's some goals, same three as at the back. And I think Jamesy Forrest on the right, Taylor on the left, Brown, McGregor, Cham, and I think he's going to go Christine Yeti. I think he will rest Eddie. And keep Christie in the team. I mean, Christie's goal scoring return is excellent. You know, it has been uh, over the last couple of seasons. He's energetic. Um, he loses the ball, but he's always willing to win it back. There was a suggestion that he was playing for himself. A lot of people were saying yeah. that. Didn't really see that against Livy, though. What a ball that was, eh? Mm. Touch. He didn't look to get shot off. It was just touch, slid it to a yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's a finish, isn't it? You know, that, that's a player that's high in confidence. And according to a yeah, he's not yet 100% fit. No. Just wait till, till he's got that extra half yard that that further fitness is going to bring, that extra sharpness. Now, I won't see you before the game on Thursday, so I'm going to ask you for your prediction early doors here. So how do you see it going on Thursday night? I think Lenny's starting to get the team knit, to knit together. We're more of a threat now at, at corners than we've been in a long while. Mm-hmm. You know, we used to go, not another corner, because we're not going to score, but what, what's the point? But now you're good, good chance we are we're getting something in target here. So I'm going to go 3-0. I, I think we're going to be going there. The players are going to want to make amends for Fair and Farris. Uh, I know Lenny take a bit of a stick, probably should have the striker, but he's also right in that there was enough chances there that we've got the players with a talent that should be putting them away. Striker or no striker. Uh, and when you look at the goals we lost, folks are having to, you know, you're like, just clear it out for a throw and back to the keeper out for a corner mm-hmm. just don't let the ball run and the guy take a shot it's just it was just an aberration wasn't it from what we've seen from Alhamid he's, he's never had that kind of mistake in his no he's, he's always been really really cool and uh, you know what frustrates me about the defence Varos that's in the past now we're now talking about Europa League qualification for the group stages is you, you become so frustrated looking back on the on the exit when and I'm going to make a prediction here because I think it will happen, when Ayeti and Eduard developed that partnership at some stage this season and were blowing teams out of the water, Lawrence, and you think, you know, had that been in place when we played the Hungarians, when Duffy is bossing the defence as he almost already is, and you're thinking, 
having that player in there in that position. That's when it becomes frustrating, doesn't it? Because Celtic, maybe a slow start, I say a slow start, best start in the, in the 10 seasons, as we were talking about yesterday, 19 points after seven games. But once we're right into the season and we're, you know, we're flying, that's when you start looking back and think, you know, had we had the personnel in the door and they were fit and they were playing like this against Fern and Farrell, we'd have blown them away. I think it's always, it seems to be a perennial problem with our transfer strategy, yep. getting players in too late. And I know we brought a couple in it in January, Sorrell and Clamalla, but they're really viewed as more development than a marquee signings, if you like, or immediately improving the first team like a Yeti and Duffy have. So it's definitely something Celtic need to be judging the risk, you know, if we sign these big players and spend a bit of extra money closing the deals earlier, we're improving our chances of getting that Champions League. It's a tough one because you look at the January uh, transfer window as being the one that you want to get the players in then who are all bedded in by the time we play Champions League football, the qualifiers, etc. But it's a more difficult transfer window because obviously we're in the midst of a season and I think that is the dilemma. You know, you would end up having to pay a lot more for the players and that's what Celtic don't seem too keen on doing. Yeah, I mean, if, if, a player, if we're after players, they're good players. So they're de- generally doing well for their team. Their team may be challenging for trophies. So they're not going to want to lose their good players in January. It's... But I think it goes even beyond January. Even at summer, we seem to be haggling down to the last minute. I mean, a, a Yeti seemed to take forever to go over the line. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was the same with Duffy. How much did we save ourselves by... Haggling. Haggling. What was the, the cost risk we missing out in Champions League? What, 30 million? I know. So did we save ourselves a million, but blow the chance of 30? The thing is, going back to the, the interview um, that we discussed in depth yesterday... Uh, Dermot Desmond's interview that he gave to The Athletic and we were talking about, well, he was talking about the, um, you know, Champions League exits and there's this whole thing whereby we were better but we got knocked out and we were unlucky and this and that but if that happens on a regular basis, which it now has started to be the case, then you've got to question the, the policy do we have a big enough and a, a good enough squad to win domestically? 100% but if you want to be ready for that Champions League, and it's difficult, we know that to get the players in in January and bed them into the squad and it's going to cost more. But as you say, you're going to have a much better chance of, of progressing into the promised land and the riches of the Champions League. It's, it's all right, kind of, you know, we're better than Ferran Farris. Well, actually, not the beaters. Well, I know, I know. <laughs> it just comes down to, you know, if somebody knocks us out, that's the decider who was better, isn't it? Of course. And you can go, well, we're unlucky, we had chances and El Hammond made a mistake, whatever it is. We need to improve something. We can't keep going through that cycle, I suppose. It if you're going to cut cut margins so fine because you're not haggling in money or or whatever the reason is why our players aren't fit enough mm-hmm. for the other qualifiers, we need to think. Well, how can we put ourselves in a better position? It seems season on season we're scraping by on you know when we do get through, and that that was also the case under under Brendan Rodgers as well. I mean. The AEK Athens was a frustrating uh, exit as well, wasn't it? Because you were looking at things like the fact that one of our most influential defenders wasn't available for selection. Had he been in there, and you see what Celtic went on to do that season against what Athens did, and you say, oh, we're a better side, but they beat us. Aye, that's what it comes down to, isn't it? You know, it's sometimes you're better being a lucky, t- 
lucky team or but you've got to make your look. I mean, you've got to go, well, how do we get our side to the best position? How do we get our players, our best players in the park? How do we close deals quicker? Because it, it's obviously Lenny's identified some g- good targets in Duffy and AJ. He's got a good record, track record of developing players and, and buying well, I think, in both spells as manager. Aye. So, Someday will give us a list of Bangouras in a minute. But I think... What you're, you're saying there, I do agree with that. He, he, he's got a talent for identifying players and, and putting teams together like he did first time round and he's starting to do now. When you look at the fact that we've brought in five first team players uh, this pre-season, it's starting to look like a new Lennon side. Aye. And it's just frustrating that it wasn't kind of three weeks ahead and mm-hmm. we maybe need to identify and go, well, are we haggling too much? I think he's a sport I'm going, it's great that we're getting the best deals, but sometimes, geez, just get a guy in the door. I know. And as, as supporters, we, we don't concern ourselves too much with the balance sheet. I mean, it's not as if we're, um, you know, we're, we're putting out side contracts for, for deals that we can't afford or anything, Lawrence, you know. We know that Celtic are a cash-rich side. We also know that during the pandemic, people are hedging their bets a lot of the time. But the, the actual payoff is qualification and... It's a, a huge cash a, Exactly. And it's the only cash pot that Scottish Football Club has, really, because everything else is limited. It's incredible that Celtic do what they do in terms of merchandise and season ticket sales. Absolutely astronomical figures when you look at where we are and where we're playing. So the only thing that we can do, the only market we can tap into is the Champions League riches. And I think uh, since 2012, we all became a bit more aware of balance sheets and... yeah. Acronyms as well. Yeah, and yeah. financial terms and CVAs and EBTs. You could write a you could write a whole article just on acronyms. Certainly, I know the difference between liquidation and administration. If half of Scotland doesn't ask, certainly not. I know. Yeah. You know, it's, it's uh, quite easy to understand, actually, isn't it? I would think so. It certainly is. Now, a big part of the Celtic State of Mind Bulletin, and as everybody knows, we go out uh, five five times a week. We go out every weekday. We then cover all the games, so we normally do three broadcasts for every game, so we're doing about six live broadcasts for the match days. Uh, a big part of all of these broadcasts is engaging with Celtic fans who are tuning in on the social media channels via YouTube, Twitter and Facebook, Lauren. So let's have a wee look to see who is saying what and what your opinions are, particularly on Chris Iyer, because we're going to go on to speak about Christopher Iyer in just a few moments. Chaz Bucking, welcome to the show, Chaz. You're commenting via YouTube. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. 
House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. YouTube to say, give me a shout, Lenny, and I will drive up to Milan myself for £14 million. Um, Stephen Forbes, if Collie is a realistic target as a possible replacement for Ayer, Sam Dora, 8 million they were talking for him. Yep. The club could look to bring in Ben Davies ahead of his potential pre-contract in January. This transfer may be more likely than Colley. Um, it, it probably wouldn't be as much as Colley in terms of a transfer fee as as well. Uh, follower Celtic, good to hear from you again via Twitter. I take 20 million and a sell-on clause for Aya. But who could we bring in as a replacement or do we stick? And uh, Gary Doonan on Facebook, will new measures being brought in effectively end supporters getting into grounds for the rest of the season a different point but a very important one from Gary um, after, we were talking about this yesterday Lawrence I don't think Scottish football grounds will see a supporter in them before the end of the season don't think so either rugby grounds mate <laughs> I don't think football grounds will they're held to a completely different standard for some strange reason but I just you know, these are the things we're talking about, you know, in dispatches during the week. Everybody knows how shambolically the, the coronavirus pandemic has been dealt with in this country. And when you get, we had a we had a, a guest on the other week, Edgar Summertime Jones, a musician from Liverpool, talking about, you know, Boris. When you've got someone like that, I would not trust him to put my bins out on a Thursday. And he's running the country and he's running, you know, he's running the country into the ground in many different ways. But we, we are at the mercy of people who, you know, for want of a better word, are just absolute shambolic at what they do. Yeah, I mean, they let the St. Ledger go ahead, didn't they? You, you know, so horse racing mm. is okay. Grouse shooting is okay. But not football. <laughs> you, you, you know, you're just kind of looking and going, you really don't have a clue what you're doing. You have no clear strategy. Uh, you're going, is another lockdown the answer? That shows that... Sweden didn't have a lockdown. They done better than us. Yeah, you, you, you really kind of got to look and go. There's enough data now that maybe shows that lockdowns aren't the answer. But and this is the wider, you know, using Boris as an example is obviously on the wider scale rather than just the football events, Lawrence. But obviously, when you when you use that as a microcosm of the whole issue, you know, there's no way when you look at when you look at the situation as we currently stand, there's no way Scottish football fans will be back in grounds no. this season. No. It's not going to happen. Just not, I don't think. Until it, Boris eh, campaigns all the time, doesn't he? So until the, the people, or, or he reckons whatever polls he's carrying out, enough of the people want it, then he'll do it. I don't think he does anything based on for the good of the country, does he? We should have a, we should have a political podcast at some stage. We got a few, a few of our. What do you think? Uh, we'll get a few of our politicised uh, associates in. We'll have a, a, a politics. If anybody wants to get involved in that, let us know because uh, I'd quite happily do a politics podcast at this moment in time. Uh, going back to some of the points on Chris Iyer, the big question is, and people scoff at the the figures that have been mentioned, 14 million and, and higher, higher for, for Iyer, but you look at the player that he is developing into. Yep. You know, he's 22. 22, seven years you know, first team football, mm. started at 15 and no, no way, a couple of seasons there. So we sign him out on Lone Kelly. 
done really well. Change there. of position, big influence uh, on him was was Ronnie Dyler. No one can deny yeah. that. You know, he was one of Ronnie's proteges, and I think for me, Ronnie Dyler is a talent spot. I actually thought he was a decent manager as well. It's just unfortunate that some of the senior pros at Celtic seem that's to a big part of it, wasn't it? Turn against him, yeah, and you know didn't really let let the club down by not following what the manager said. You know, it's and you, you manager. Celtic fans, I've, I don't hear anybody having a bad word to say about Ronnie Dyler. Celtic fans would welcome him back, you know, for the 10 in a row party as he's a promise to come in when I spoke to him on the podcast, remember. Um, and I just think we look back fondly on Ronnie, but he has left a legacy. Definitely, yeah. Good track record to developing players. And people say that, you know, Brendan brought in this professionalism. Well, Ronnie had brought it in before him, hadn't he? He you know, certainly tried to implement something different. Yeah. Um, I, I used to like listening to Ronnie and people say, oh, well, he could talk a good game. Uh, but he did have this philosophy, didn't he? And um, he had this outlook on Celtic players being 24-hour athletes. And a big part of that and a big part of his approach, it seemed to, um, you know, go against the grain of some of the senior senior pros, one of whom is very vocal in the press against Celtic time and time and time again, in Chris Commons. Yep. Uh, which disappoints me because when I think back to the relationship I felt that he and his family had with Celtic, um, you know, when he, it's the cheap digs that he has at Celtic time and time again. It frustrates me a wee bit because I would much prefer to remember pre-Molder Commons. <laughs> definitely. You know, you know he, he, kinda, he, he must look back on that and think, surely he's looking back like, I should never have done that. He must look at himself as a professional football and God, I was so far out of line. Oh, I know. You think he does that, don't you? I would hope so. I mean, but again, what happens when when these ex-players are moving into the, the Scottish media, there, there there have been a few that have spoken about, you know, not towing the party line and the, the work offers dries up because they're all freelancers. Yep. You know, people, I think most people realise that, even the likes of Chris Sutton, he's a freelancer, so he can work for anyone he wants. It just so happens that certain broadcasters offer him a lot of work. And um, I think he does it well because Chris Sutton has been critical of Celtic, he's been critical of individuals at Celtic, um, Ronnie Dyler, for example, yep. and uh, Craig Gordon. Yep, he was very critical of Craig Gordon, and um, so I think Chris Sutton is far more balanced than than a lot of the pundits out there. But he's fair. He builds his points well as well. He puts some kind of constructive argument behind it, doesn't it? Doesn't just go, that's garbage. You, you know which I've seen him in action, take, isn't it? I've seen him in action, and I'm going to share this on the podcast because I'm not sure if I have shared this before. And I do like him. Uh, I do actually like him on a, on a personal level. But I had this image of Chris Sutton as a pundit that I, you know, I had created in my mind from watching him on the TV. I thought he was quite aloof, and and you know he was just maybe sometimes flying by the seat of his pants. And then I seen him in action because I was working behind the scenes one night at New Douglas Park for a live event. It was BT Sport. And Chris Sutton was one of the the pundits. And I I remember I was there very, very early. And the first pundit to turn up was Chris Sutton at quarter to four in the afternoon. Now the game kicks off at quarter to eight. He turns up, speaks to everybody, goes to the areas where there's bars for food and stuff like that. And then he goes, he, he retires into one of the buses which is one of the production buses, and he sits down and he brings his folder out and he's studying notes on every player that's playing that night. 
they're doing a pre-match with the guy, what's his name, Cregan. Yep, Stephen Cregan, yep. And uh, so they're talking about other other teams and other results uh, that week. And, he, and he's doing all his research on all the other teams. He's asking for pronunciations, pron- easy for me to say, yeah, I- pronunciations of specific players to make sure he gets it right. He was an absolute pro. He was buried in piles of newspapers and, and notes. And then when he goes on screen, it becomes a different person. But the absolute epitome of professionalism prior to that. And I don't know, it's not the impression I got. I'm not saying I thought he was a slacker, but when I seen him in action, I thought, wow, that guy's good. Brilliant. Was the same on the training field? Was he a good trainer at Celtic? Maybe he's just had that discipline all the way through and knows that, you know, if you don't put in the effort beforehand, you're just not going to get the rewards. Mm-hmm. And he obviously wants to be the best. I mean, it was some competitor when he came in. Celtic, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he, 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 he brought us up a level then, didn't he? But I mean, he, he certainly did. And, and there was a completely different approach when the, the type of player that O'Neill brought in started coming in. Um, I, I always liked the idea that maybe for a few seasons we were bullied. Um, you know, Celtic were being bullied, and O'Neill brought in the personnel to ensure that didn't happen. You look at the, the stature Real of the Bay, players. Balheran, Baldy, Sutton. It's as relevant now, again, going back to the Dermot Desmond, it's as relevant now to talk about that side as it ever has been. Um, you know, the actual physicality of that side was unbelievable. And more so than anything else, and I know that we had some fantastic players, but that team physically would just batter the, the current team. Oh, yeah. Definitely, there's not a doubt. Probably Bobo. No disrespect, by the way. I'm I'm talking Celtic v Celtic here. I'm no disrespecting Celtic. Bobo could battle and beat Celtic because he used to used to uh, have discussions with him in the changing room about anything to. That's right. To be believed in it, mm-hmm. Petrov and, and lockers and ah, that's right. Aye, and, and Tomo was involved, but he was hiding in a, in a locker. No, but I loved that about Sutton. But he approached his punditry with that level of professionalism. I think what I'm getting at, Lawrence, is I don't think a lot of the people who are on there just talking, just saying stuff, have done the research, and that's why Sutton can often pick arguments with someone because he can pick holes in the in their argument. Well, he, yeah, he knows his stuff, mm-hmm. and you get a feeling some people have just got. A job because they've just turned mate. up. I know, just turned up. Something's me. I'll get to see what I like here. And they waffle their way through the, the broadcast. Whereas Sutton, he's got all these facts, all these figures, and he knows if he's, he's if he's crafted a view on something, he can back it up because it's, it's not somebody else's view. He definitely make, builds his arguments well. Even when he criticises Celtic, I think that's what we're saying earlier. Like, you've got other player ex players just come out and it just slags Celtic. You go, well, you're not really building your argument in anything or, or being constructive with it. Whereas Chris will build it well and he's constructive it as well with it so I think maybe that's why people like him a bit better he's a bit more logical you can see what he's saying it's just not it's, it's just not an opportunity to slag as he's actually bringing out a fairly balanced point that, that you can say well I don't agree with you but you know I can see how you've drawn that from the information you've got a couple of other points coming through chess and sports fan uh, on YouTube no he won't stay this is about ire uh, Eddie gonna go too so Chess and sports fans looking into the future here. Hence, is this our best window has been ridiculous. I think you're referring to a previous podcast we did when all the players we were talking about had actually been signed. So you're you're basically speculating that we're going to get rid of Ayer and Edward. And, um, you know, to be honest with you, I've already said if we do sell one of the first team players, because the four that there's been speculation about, Lawrence's Edward, Ayer, yep. and Cham, 
and Christie. Yep. Uh, the the position I feel that we are best covered in would be the midfield position. I Definitely. don't I don't think it would be a good idea uh, for Ayer or Edward to be allowed to leave at this stage. Don't think so. But a, a lot of power lies by with the players. I think Eddie seems fairly happy. You know, I know he has to be rested, which was unusual, and there's been a bit of a speculation off the back of it. But he generally seems really ha- happy at Celtic. I think out the two would be more likely to look. To lose Ayer, which is maybe why we're looking at more centre halves just now. Mm-hmm. You know, midfield, yeah, we're, we're well covered, aren't we? And I suppose Celtic's looking good. If Christie leaves for nothing, you know, if he won't sign that new contract, mm-hmm. maybe now is the time you get maximum value because we do have other players that can fit in. We've brought Turnbull in. You know, there are midfielders struggling for game time. So, it wouldn't be ideal, but if Ayer forces a move, Norwegian internationalist, you know, it's 22 still developing, I think 20 million with a big selling clause is, is more than fair. It goes back to Gary Doonan's point earlier, you know, talking about football fans getting back into stadiums, Lauren Celtic are obviously losing out on match day revenue in a big way of, you know, we know that the season tickets have been purchased. There's been a huge interest in the, the new Adidas merch and everything else. But on a day-to-day basis on match day, you know, 50-odd thousand Celtic fans um, going through the doors as an average revenue per customer, as they call it, or per unit, yeah. as often we're referred to. The ARPU, that, that's disappeared. You're not getting that. You're not getting people... Going into the shop, the footfall, you know, the the refreshments, all this kind of thing, is out the window for every home game. So there there might be a wee hole to fill. And that that is obviously the concern when you're talking about Ayer or you're talking about, you know, I, I'm not even going to mention Eddie leaving because I don't I don't believe he's going to leave. I don't think I don't think Eddie will go. Between now and Christmas, we're cash rich with season book money. You've touched on. We've got the Adidas money as well. It's really. It's the money after Christmas, but it's going to bite, bite for every club. And I think Celtic have probably done their sums when we're kind of okay to January, but you know that's when it's really going to start biting on us if there's no revenue and no mm-hmm. fans. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's biting Celtic in Scotland, it's really going to hurt well, the other clubs. 100%. I've discussed that a wee bit in the early days of the, the kind of lockdown, you know, talking about how it's going to affect other clubs. And there was that argument about how clubs could, some of the more provincial clubs could virtually close down and open back up for business because their overheads were so low. But there's a, there's a great amount of clubs there who, without that revenue, I mean, if Celtic are okay until January, which is the figure that we believe to be accurate, there's going to be a lot of other clubs that, um, you know, won't see this out. Oh, they won't, they, they won't get through it. I mean, it's lost revenue, they'll never recover. Mm-hmm. The debt's are building up. Aren't they? It's, you've got Hearts in there, dropped a division. They'd have been looking for big crowds because that seems to be the benefit. If you drop down, you get lots more through the gates if you're up at the top one in the, the league. Because last time Hearts dropped a division, they won that league, didn't they? Yeah. It's, uh, so they, they've got to be struggling. Same with Aberdeen, Hibs, Saveco. They'll all be struggling. Uh, you know, if Celtic have made a plan and went, like, although we are prudent as a football club if it's hitting us in January it's definitely hitting them and how they get through to the end of the season they're going to start selling season books in, in February some of them mm. 
It's pretty grim. It's, yeah. it's a, a grim outlook, uh, Lawrence. So another wee thing that I, I do I do enjoy when someone like Paolo Maldini confirms the interest in Ayer is it's genuine. Whereas there's other clubs and other players where there's so much interest in certain players that's absolute fictitious nonsense that's made up by a press who are delib- deliberately trying to put somebody in the, the shop window. It's kind of Sesame Street stuff, isn't it? Mm. What's the letter of the day? So it's more or less <laughs> Sesame Street. What's the club of the day? Who's interested? Mm-hmm. You're like, right, have we had any club for Spain this week? No, no, right, somebody in Spain wants to back. That, that's the kind of label it's at, isn't it? It is. It, they know. must have a, a random generator on the computer. Hit a country, gives a club and gives a figure. I know, I know. <laughs> it's just... But I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at the stature of club... Um, who are interested in Ayer. And I know that there are many out there who don't rate him as highly as I do. I, but I do I do accept that there's there's areas of his game that he needs to improve on, Lawrence. But as I said yesterday, I also believe that when Van Dyke left us, he wasn't the finished article, no. but he needed that move to develop. And I think Ayer, you know, selfishly, I would like to keep him. Um, could I see him moving? It I, wouldn't surprise me. I, I think he's a guy who'll move. At one point, whether it's this window, next window, or next summer I think Ayer is, is, is the other he wants to move and develop if a someone like Paolo Maldini what he you know what defender he was mm. rates Ayer as a defender it, you know it, it speaks a lot doesn't it it's that's a real stamp of approval eh? the, the bold Paolo we'll come back to Paolo because that just sparks memories in me in the 80s and 90s where I was obsessed with football whereas now I'm just obsessed with Celtic we spoke about that before yeah. And, um, you know, that team he played for, there's some incredible stats in relation Barese. to the goals that they conceded him and Barese um, if, if they played for AC Milan. Unbelievable. Costa Carter, Barese. Was it, it was, hardly conceded any goals one season, was it? Like and then or something they're going by, you know, Van Basten, Rijgaard, Hula. It was just unbelievable football and football terms. You know, it was incredible. Yeah. And they had the smartest kits the Italian teams back in the 80s they did look good in the 90s, in the 90s. And they also let us South Paulo from, from him and give us a wee glimpse of Paulo for a season mm-hmm. which is uh, I think they only signed up because of the, the foreigner rule or something three foreigner rule at the time was it? AC uh, Milan I, when they signed them yeah I always remember when we did when we did sign Paulo and um, you know there was a wee bit of footage of him playing for AC Milan and you're thinking you're signing this boy and then he done that press conference and Bizarrely, someone organised to have a big massive pizza. Remember that? Aye, and he's standing there with his tongue out with this pizza because he's Italian, obviously. We'll get a pizza, right? Aye. And make it a, a 40 inch pizza. We, oh, it was just in so bad taste, wasn't I it? I met him the day before the press conference uh, in the Trongate. So really recognised him. That's Paolo De Canio. Outside the Rangers shop, he was on his way in. <laughs> I think you won't be doing that, uh, <laughs> you, you know, another week once you've done your press conference and been unveiled. I've just finished series four of Peaky Blinders, which is obviously the mafia, the mafia series, Lauren. So I'm, 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 I'm loving this chat about the old Italian vibe, you know, with Maldini. Not so much the canal because he, obviously his politics. Going back to the political podcast, we might discuss yeah. that later on. Well, we could get Enrico on for that. Enrico, he, as long as he brings his translator. Well, that's his door. I, I know. Met, I met him in the, the penalty spot down in Sausage. I know. Tate's place. Just walk in. There's Enrico and Oni. Yep. I've had the pleasure. Now, Owen McGrandles, um, YouTube, snap their hands off for 14 million and sign the young fella from Hibs. Porteous. He's definitely developing into a player, isn't he? He is, eh? He can pick a pass, but some managers seem to be upset with me. 
imagine he Polius must be going, that's two for the price of one. Not only did I get a captain, I've got a manager too. <laughs> you, you know, surely you think, right, he's just found my captain up to nothing. Did you get involved in game two for the price of one? I know, I know. And just laugh at him. Brilliant. <laughs> Superb. Gary Doonan on Facebook and Paolo Maldini will know a player, especially defenders. He will develop him into a £50 million defender. We said yesterday, you know, I, I don't think that's a ridiculous statement, by the way. I mean, if he goes to a club like AC Milan and he works under the tutelage of so many people there, we're looking at a, a boy who, you know, the sky's the limit. Look at Maldini's dad, Cesare, right? Wonderful defender. So, Maldini, what, 18? Never out the, the first team at AC Milan from 18 onwards? He, he, he is someone that knows... He just got better. Everything, doesn't he? Oh, he did. You know, even in his mid-30s. Apart from when he came at Celtic Park and he couldn't believe Aidan McGeady tore the pieces. Aye, we Aidan. Um, the prodigy, child prodigy. What was he, 18 at the time? I think it was 18 and Maldini was after after the game. <laughs> Who was that guy? That's what the one happening? game though, if you if you think of McGeady, that's the one game you go back to, isn't it? You yeah, see Milan Celtic Park. I don't think he ever hit those heights again. No. Well, I mean, it's Paolo Maldini, you know. <laughs> and if he's gone, who was that guy I was playing against? It, it says a lot, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, great night at Celtic Park. Richard Murray, uh, I think your avatar is Cathkin Park in Glasgow. Cracking wee shot there on the terraces. Uh, your comment on YouTube, he's not committed to the cause, so he must go particularly with that money on the table. Joe Porter, Iyer won't make or break 10 in a row. £14 million is good for him. And Silky Skills, 85, don't want players that are not committed. What do you make of that then? Because is he... Uncommitted. I don't know if, that, if that's an issue at the moment. He's playing. He's he's a first pick for for Lenny. So I, th- I think it's maybe two different things. In that, I think he's committed when he's on the park. Mm. But I think he's definitely he's looking a for a move. So th- th- there's some players that don't give you that commitment on the park when they look for a move. I don't think I has one. Of them. I think he gives everything on, well, the, on the park. Well, the, the most obvious one, member Pierre. Oh, just it just was, oh. Was that wage is only fit for the homeless or something. I know that I know. was at the time. Was, Still leaves uh, a bad taste in the mouth. Uh, all that you know. know? Really, Pierre? Even his free kicks for Feyenoord against Rangers didn't make up for that. Uh, Wait a wee bit of the way. Ah, a wee bit. (laughs) Colin Watt, YouTube, uh, Colin will be in tomorrow and we will be talking to Colin tomorrow on the Celtic Statement Bulletin. Colin states, can't really let him go without having a replacement ready, especially playing three at the back. We'll be back in a situation we were in before Duffy signed. Colley won't sign. Davis looks most likely. I agree with you, and that's why I think, you know, out of all the positions that we're talking about speculation, the midfield is the one where you could almost afford to lose somebody. Yep. We can't really afford to lose a centre-half at this stage. I'd love to keep higher, but sometimes the power's not with the club. You know, if he says, well, I'm not signing another contract, and I think £40 is cheaper, I think we should be looking upwards of 20 with a big, decent sell-on on it. We've got to look at everything holistically, haven't we, you know? It is cash, we don't have the Champions League. Mm. If he doesn't sign, will we get as much for him again? We've got a couple of backup centre-halves, Beaton, El Hamid. We've obviously, that seems to be the area that the rumours are coming out of that we're still interested in bringing another in. So unfortunately, it looks like that's the one that's most likely to leave, whether we can, it's the one we can most afford to leave. It certainly looks like the one that's most likely. Right. It'll be disappointing. Uh, one of the players who continually is linked to Celtic is Scott McKenna. But we've been hearing, Lawrence, that that deal certainly will not be done and he'll be going for a cut price to Nottingham Forest. Three million. 
what did Brendan offer eight? I was astonished at that. I never ever thought he was an eight million pound player. What did Brendan play for? Jack Henry? But was Jack, maybe, Jack and Bauer, as we call him. Yeah, was maybe Brendan not a good didn't have the same kind of eye for talent that Lenny has. Well was the two the two that he brought in at centre half, uh, Compare and Jack Henry were never the level that we needed. Never the level, nowhere near the level that we, we required. Compare a decent Bundesliga career behind him. What happened? <clears throat> Who knows? It's all rumour, isn't it? But he certainly never had any career at Celtic. Jack Henry was just... That was just absolutely stunning that we were even interested in him. Never mind for what we paid for him. It was just, really? We want to bring him back to Celtic? Because he was a Celtic... Mm. Before he went to Wigan, yeah. See, the thing with that, Lawrence, you know, I'm not against picking up young Scottish players from the Scottish leagues. You can see how players can develop in Scotland, Ryan Christie being a prime example. So, you know, to, to pick him up, you know, performing well for Dundee, uh, famously the scouting reports were uh, Beckenbauer-esque, and um, it just didn't work out for the boy. But what I didn't like to see was the, the kind of backlash of that, you know, because... I think there was a few occasions where he's maybe uh, bitten back online, isn't he, on Twitter and things like that. So these things do get to some players. Aye. And I, I do wish um, Jack all the best. I know that uh, things are better for him. He's had a terrible injury, isn't he? And uh, I, I hope the guy does well and I hope he progresses. But I don't think it'll be at Celtic Park. But, you know, Brendan Rodgers, is, we could do a whole podcast on bad signings of, of uh, Brendan Rodgers' time at Celtic. I don't think he was a great spotter of talent I think he was a great developer of players um, and a, a lot of the players that he brought in were, were flops they, right. they didn't play a lot of games I mean we spent a lot of money on players like Gamboa and Kouassi uh, Compare Hendry the list goes on and yep. you know if you were to look at the successes over the duds or the flops and I don't like calling anybody a flop but they certainly didn't do it for Celtic there's there's plenty there's plenty on in his uh, CV I definitely say Lenny's got the, the better track record. Mm. You're right. Other teams seem to have that route to develop players in Scotland. Portis at Hibs, Gallagher at Motherwell, and I think it's probably because they can just bleed them in the team earlier. There's less at risk for them. It, it, I mean, Celtic lost another player to Man United, didn't we? Eh, sorry, Man City. We're starting to lose our talent because we don't have the route to first team football. For There's them. no bridge between the the youth or the development. Stages and the first team. We've spoke about it so often on this podcast. We've had coaches coming in from all over Scotland talking about it. Ex pros talking about how the reserve league was was that bridge. Yep, that's never coming back in Scotland. Never coming back. Doesn't look like the other clubs will vote for the Colts, which is disappointing. Yep. So we need to find some other solution, and hopefully Celtic are working on it. Whether it's loaning them out, yeah. I think for seventeen, can we get them on? contract where we've got years options and then just loan them out because they really need to be playing football don't they need that competitive oh they definitely do Lawrence yeah and you know it was um, a couple of weeks ago or last week rather James McDonough who was in from Edinburgh City confirming that um, you know they could take four boys from a single club at any one time on loan and they can get a maximum of six loanees in so they could Celtic could have a number of uh, partnerships or relationships with, with clubs where we're, we're putting four boys out who are, you know, sometimes there's there's a deal in relation to paying the wages if they play. Yep. And if they don't play, Danny Lennon was saying, if they don't play, then Clyde have to pay yep. the loanies wages. So 
it works in your favour. It certainly does work in your favour and gets the boys game time. Well, they're talented boys. You know, they, if they're at Celtic, they're Celtic for a reason. But we need to up their development, don't we? We need, we need to have something that's going to keep them interested in staying in the Celtic long term. Was, was it Hepburn scored five for Bayern? Or whoever Bayern have got that or night. The Bella looks as if he's, young Karamoko looks as if he's on his way, doesn't he? He's checked out, isn't he? Yep. Uh, you know? Yeah, it's, it's something we need to resolve and there may be people with Celtic working on it. Maybe COVID's going to bring it closer to us because other t- teams will be really scraping for, for cash. Maybe it, it brings that loan option or makes it more attractive to them. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we did speak to Graham Diamond about it as well, Clyde's sporting director, talking about um, in terms of development, it's great for the players, but then there's a whole tranche of players who don't have that opportunity because, let's say, Celtic loan out a dozen players. Yep. And and they go out to the respective clubs, three clubs taking four. The four players they would have taken get pushed further down the pecking order, further yeah. down the leagues. There's only so many... You know, there's only 11 players can play in any one game. You, you, you know, you're kind of looking going, there's only so many spots up for grabs. But I think that's what it comes down to. The amount of boys that play under 16, under 17, you know, that number, of, how many make it as pros? It vastly drops every year. And it, it's just the reality of football. There is only so many positions. Mm. But what we want to do is get kind of, I suppose selfishly, get more of our guys into our first team. Richard Murray, um, again on YouTube. Christie is sadly being targeted by the internet bampots. I thought that was a term of endearment, internet bampot. When he's clearly one of our most important players. I'd agree, he is one of our most important players. Absolutely agree with that. And I know that, um, you remember he he, he was sent off against Livy when he beat us 2 0 last season away? Yeah. Bad tackle. Um, I'm not too sure if if he'd been playing for Inverness, he'd have been sent off. But. Yeah, it wasn't the best tackle, but... Yeah, he he, missed, he misjudged the Astro. He misjudged. He thought his knee would have gone into the turf. Um, that's why it was so high. But anyway, I do know for a fact that he came off with all social media after that because he, he was getting too much flack and it was actually affecting him. Yes, it's got to be hard, isn't it? You know, you, you make a mistake in a game and it's... Something abusive is getting you. Like, really keep things in perspective. You, you know, we're going through such a period of success that... You've just got to remember, you know, and quite rightly so, I think the awareness of, of mental health, Lawrence, it's in the public eye, it's in the domain, it's not going to go anywhere now. It's something that we're always, always going to hear about, which is fantastic. It's not one of these things that people don't talk about. It's not a taboo subject anymore. But the more we talk about it, the more we need to realise that um, when it comes to things like that, footballers are not immune oh. to criticisms. And, you know, just put yourself in the, the shoes of you and I talking today. And it's happened. It's happened on the podcast. It's happened to some of our contributors. And they get a hard time. Yep. And that affects them. It's not nice. Um, am I immune to it? No, but I'm kind of used to it. Right? <laughs> you get used to it. You get a wee bit more thick-skinned about it. And uh, some of the flack you get, if it's on follow, follow, I'll never see it anyway. And uh, it just shows that they're tuning in as well, Lawrence, to be fair. Well, they need to go somewhere to get see some quality, don't they? Yeah, well, this is true. Stephen Ray talking about quality. Stephen is normally uh, very good on any comments or uh, discussion points. And he's saying if Milan want Ayer, they can give Celtic £10 million plus Diego. Here we go. You want me to pronounce that? Loxalt? Lazalt? Oh. 
who is a 27-year-old Uruguay international left yep. wing-back. For me, that would be a brilliant piece of business. Player plus Castillo. Yeah, left wing-back gives Taylor some competition. Mm. Uh, I think Taylor four goal-league appearances is at one goal, four assists. So. A, be- a better option than uh, James McLean, it would appear. Go- going on yesterday's response to the podcast. James is... Is he in the Johnny Hayes mould? You know, but a slight upgrade. But yeah, definitely Uruguay international left back playing for AC Milan. You know, on the face of it, you're thinking he's got to be a decent player. If I've, I've not watched what's no. happened last season, well, I, I do know that uh, Stephen keeps his eye on a lot more kind of global football than certainly I do. So I would take that on board, Lawrence. It does open the door. If, if AC Milan are interested, Maldini has confirmed the interest. Yep. The interest, and I'm sure they're interested in a lot of players all over the world. It opens that door. What, what kind of personnel can we get from them? Potentially. Yeah, you, you know, know, if they're interested in coming, that's a prompt position. If it's 10 or 15 plus that player, you've then got to go, well, would Celtic spend it, the extra and bring in an all centre half? Whether it's Coley from Sardoria for eight, would Celtic be happy, happy with that? probably pushes a wage bill up a bit mm. so they would be on more wages combined than I wouldn't they yeah probably I would expect so, that it comes down to the balance sheet Lawrence again there's aye. quite a few comments coming through and releasing to that and uh, Richard Murray YouTube again welcome back to the show Richard good that uh, you're getting involved this happens almost every summer the checkbook gets used after we're out of Europe shocking that's what I'm touching on it's are we haggling down to have we saved ourselves a million between Ajete and Duffy if we saved a million by that haggle but cost ourselves a shot at 30 million you know and it, it's happening too what, whatever tactics we're using it's happen, happening too often that the players are coming in too late and it's only a week or two too late in some some occasions how much would that cost them to get that wee bit earlier the big thing I would say and I, I said this before and this probably was on the podcast we were saying is this not this is is this Celtic's uh, best transfer window and bearing in mind the transfer windows have been operational since 2002 because yep. a lot of the examples that were given was, were pre-2002 but the, the reason I said that was we're, we're signing players who are first team players that, going by this transfer window yep. first team players Lawrence no projects yes I know Turnbull's young but he's in the first team squad he's starting to make appearances and I, I do think the strategy has changed. I do think the calibre of player that were brought in in this transfer window is higher, let's say, than the January transfer window with regards to Clamalla and Sorrow. No disrespect to those two players, but they're a different type of signing. They're a two to three million pound project or gamble that you're hoping to develop. I think the players we've been bringing in you're during this window, yeah, the first team picks, aren't yeah, they? I, yeah, well, they're definitely in with a chance. They're not going off. He might turn into something they might get 10-15 minutes you're expecting these guys to come in and play mm-hmm. and make a difference I mean a Yeti oh, game changer Turnbull we've not seen much of him but what we have seen has been positive here's the thing in Turnbull who's it do you think's in more first team minutes Cham or Turnbull over their career so far over their career so far it wouldn't surprise me if it was uh, Turnbull because I, I know I don't know the answer but I'd suspect it's going to be Turnbull yeah. that, that says a lot about mm-hmm. how we struggle to get players game times didn't it and, and develop players it certainly does what a good job Motherwell are doing you know there's a couple of players there that's you know Campbell maybe worth looking at Declan Gallagher who was at Celtic another centre half that's maybe worth keeping an eye on what happens though um, there, there comes a point 
a ceiling point for clubs in Scotland. And I think I mentioned the other day, St. Johnson hit that under Tommy Wright. He probably stayed 18 months longer than he should have done. They take it almost to the the peak of that club's kind of abilities. Yep. And I think Robinson's at that stage with Motherwell. And if they lose a couple of the young talents you're talking about, that'll be it. That'll well, be it. Gordon Strachan spoke about it as well. He thought about a, a life's span of a Celtic manager, didn't he? Where you can only take it so far. Mm-hmm. And then when you think they're not improving, or you, you need to move on. You need to make that choice. Is it a three-year cycle? Well, manager. That's what, that's what Strachan said. That. I don't know if it's three or if it's going to change on the individual, how much grown he's got in it, the game as a manager. Mm. You know, some managers may be, be longer than others, but there's definitely a time when ma- managers come to the, their end, they've done everything they can with a club, or you just don't see any progress. It's And sometimes maybe it's fans just want a change. You know, it's... And it's an injection again of a new approach and hopefully a good approach yeah. when a new manager comes in. Uh, for the squad as well. Kevin Selt on YouTube, do people forget about Beaton? Ayer can go, uh, we'll get good money to use in a replacement. We've mentioned Beaton a few times. The guy, he is the man who is very dependable for Neil Lennon. Neil Lennon signed him, uh, first time round signed him. Uh, very reliable. He, he's obviously, um, you can utilise him in midfield or at centre-half. He's very calm. I think he's, he slows things down too much if he's in the midfield for the way Celtic play, Lawrence. But he looks totally composed at centre half. I, th- I think we're just so lucky to have him. You know, he's an internationalist that's happy just to be a guy in the background. He knows he's just he's a squad player. But what a squad player for us to have. Sometimes in midfield, particularly in Europe, sometimes it's what we need. You know, if I've got a small lead, bring Beaton on. But his ball retention's great. He covers the ground. You know, he's very defensively aware. So. Some games in midfield he's going to be okay. Maybe not when we're chasing a goal. Although he does have a, a decent long-range shot on him. But yeah, he does slow it down a bit in midfield. Sometimes that's what you need during the game. At centre-half, yeah. You know, he, he knows the position, he can play it. He'd certainly, outside of Celtic, would they start at centre-half for every other team in the league? Probably. Now, there, there is a point here from Kevin Sell. Why has the iron money gone from... 29 million to 14, 15 million in the last few weeks. We weren't we talking 20 to, to 25 to Milan not long ago? Well, it's kind of generated really just by speculation at, at this stage, yep. isn't it? I mean, when you're being questioned by Hugh Keevans, 20 million pound for IR and whose money and what currency? I think my answer was 40 John Spencer's, Shuggy. Aye. Right? So when, when you're looking at a player like IR at that age, with the experience that you mentioned, it's difficult, obviously, to, to value a player. So it comes down to the two clubs. If he was to go to a, a club at the moment for, let's say, 14, which is the, the current figure that we've got, the add-ons would push that up, you would think, yep. you know, well, to well, 20 Lenny, plus. Lenny said 14 won't cut it. He did say that, didn't he? Yeah, so I suppose if you're the buying club, you're trying to buy as cheaply as possible. And if you're selling club, you're trying to sell, it, sell as highly as possible. But if KT... Carrying an injury, went for twenty five million, and he was older than Aya. Less international caps, less first team games. I would say. Don't see why Aya's not going for the same kind of money. It, it, it baffled me to say why he's going for less. He can, he's certainly got the potential to grow into an outstanding player. So is that your starting point then? For me, it would be mm-hmm. yeah, or twenty million with a twenty five percent selling clause. You, you 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 know whatever or twenty million. 
ten percent on close and another player coming back. But mm-hmm. I would think that that's kind of where we've got to be looking to get. Yeah, especially if obviously you're not in a situation with uh, a player who whose contract's running down, like Ryan Christie. I think Celtic have always performed well uh, in recent times, haven't they? And selling players and getting good value. Yeah. People might argue the Van Dyke was was a snip, etc. But I think we've learned from that as well. I think Van Dyke was a snip, but I also think we got what what at that time was the ceiling for the Sco- Scottish League. Mm. I, I think that's something that we faced as the league's not marketed very well, is looked down upon as a result of that, and it gets us lesser fees than even if they come for other European leagues, they seem to be willing to pay more money than they would pay, pay to Scotland. But I think with Virgil going down there, proving what quality player he is, he helped push the ceiling up for other players. So you've also got Musa, you've got Kieran that's went for money. When Eddie goes, he's got to be the first £40 million player plus, I think. A wee head just popped in behind you there, Lawrence. I don't know if it was the ghost of the studio or, or what it was. But if anybody noticed that, I've seen it as well. Um, Kevin Graham, maybe it was just me that saw it. Kevin Graham, I said yesterday that one Ayer, Encham or Eddie will go. One from those three will go. I just hope whoever it is, we have a plan and time to replace. I think that's a big concern at the moment, isn't it? Well, it seems that we've got an active plan at centre-half, doesn't it? You know, that's where the rumours are coming from, that Celtic are still interested in these centre-halves. There seems to be more noise about that position. Maybe it could be that we're actually just genuinely looking at another, another centre-half because we think we're a bit light for the quality that Lenny wants there. Maybe Peter's going to surprise us all and just go out and buy another centre-half and, and not sell anyone. A wee interesting point there because we've obviously spoken about, um, you know, a lot of people are saying penny pinching, getting players in uh, on time, etc. And we're looking... Now, the the question of John McGinn's come up again. So, um, looking at why we didn't sign McGinn. And Kevin Graham is coming on to say that we matched Villa's bid, we matched Villa's wages. It wasn't penny-pinching in that case. Hibbs, Villa and McGinn played Celtic like a fiddle. Maybe they did. I think maybe if Celtic had been in quicker with the bid, we might have got him. I don't know. But if we'd bought McGinn, we wouldn't have had Christy Heder went the other way. So... You know, Celtic's financially very well run. And we're just saying, you know, I suppose it's a frustration of supporters when we see things go by or things we maybe could see happen quicker or better. But, you know, we're entitled to our opinions. On the McGinn one, I'm thinking, going, well, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have had Ryan Christie. He, we'd have sold him. You know, so as much as if it was penny pinching or, or it wasn't, it would have cost us Ryan Christie. Yeah. Well. yeah. So, I suppose... Football management's a hard game, you know, not, not everybody's good at it. It's certainly, we seem to be doing well managing contracts, selling players, generating a profit from player sales. So, yeah, we touched on it. We want players in quicker, especially for the Champions League. But in the beginning, one alone, yeah, we did come up with it. Maybe a bit later than we should have, with the same money, the same wages. Mm-hmm. And I think again himself said that it was the promise of first-team football. Because he's maybe he's probably looked at Celtic midfield and he's used to playing against them and went, where do I fancy? Where do I think I'm going to get a game? Is it Celtic or Villa? When you look at Celtic midfielders, what maximum three places is going to be up for grabs? It's not going to be... And you're going, well, Scott Brown and Cal McGregor's there. So you're playing for that third player place against Rodgick and Cham, Christie. 
the big the big point you make there, I think, uh, Lawrence is, um, oh, it was devastating not to sign John McGinn, and the answer is, was it? Because we got Christie, and up until now he he has done so so well. So I, I take that point one hundred percent from you, Stephen. Uh, via Twitter, as you're saying about Van Dyke, Celtic have not had a decent defence since then. We, we do speak some things about the central defensive partnership. I actually really liked Van Dyke and Denier. I don't subscribe to the fact that Denier was carried by by Van Dyke. I mean, he wouldn't make me look like a good centre half mate. So he certainly you know. made him look better. Well, the, there's always that partnership, though. Eh? Yeah, 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 it works. De- definitely. I mean, I think Van Dyke's going to make anyone look better. Isn't he's, he? Denier's done okay. Denier's done playing. okay. You know, yeah. he's he's doing just fine. At Leon, and I, um, I think that's going to be the best player that I ever plays with, without doubt, isn't it? Half, oh, absolutely. And um, since you know, if you look at the partnerships before, then again, no laughing at the back. The best centre half partnership we had in defence was Caldwell and McManus. <laughs> yeah, different styles, God, different God qualities. And, uh, talks about that. Some of the he takes as a manager, but I know. Like, I, I got his two. Two last 16s with mm-hmm. McManus and Colwell as a centre-half pair. He, d- he <laughs> did. He actually did. And, and the thing is, well, Mowbray comes in, he's got it in his mind, he's not going to play these two guys. At that point, McManus is the captain of Celtic and Caldwell Scotland's player of the year. Yeah. And he dismantles that. And then we go through a plethora of central defenders until we get your Denier and Van Dyke partnership. They look very assured, don't they? I think it's they're very tidy, very assured. Both can play a lot of football, can't they? The footballers, I think it's we've definitely missed that assurance and tidiness and just utter calm composure that Big Virtual brought. You know, nothing mm. was a trouble for that guy. He, he, he never broke sweat up here, did he? Not mm. even when he's running 40 yards to stick the ball in the net. You're talking about Van Dyke? Yeah, he never broke sweat, did he? Well... I'll not get into that. Um, listen, it's been absolutely brilliant today because we're getting loads of comments coming in, as we normally do, on the bulletin. Uh, a Celtic State of Minds bulletin will be back with you tomorrow at 12.30 and I'll be joined by Colin Watt. Uh, all that's left for me to say today, Lawrence, is thank you very much for joining us again on a Celtic State of Mind. Thanks. Good to be. Always a pleasure. Thanks. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. 
people all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.